This is the Krillcast Live. I am Chris. I'm Will. Welcome, welcome. And uh, if you're not me or Will, which are probably the only two people watching right now, um, (laughs) (laughs) basically, we are here to discuss sequels. What makes a great sequel? What makes a good sequel? What makes a mediocre sequel? And what makes a bad sequel? Way too many categories. We're going to limit it to which ones we hate and which ones we liked. (laughs) Basically, yes. We're going to go from... We're going to go across this thing and basically only do the things we love and hate instead of, you know, everything else. Mm-hmm. All right. Good stuff. Um, and just for the record, for those of you that don't know, we have a Clips channel. If you don't want to watch a full two-hour stream. And I don't blame you. I don't blame you. Uh, but we have some good clips uh, whenever I remember to post them. <laughs> like last week, we uh, had a good clip of Will and Andrew discussing Tom Bombadil. If I said who that is right. the uh, Hobbit God. <laughs> so I'm going to drop the link to that in the chat for all y'all to subscribe to our Krill Clips channel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Tom Bombadil, God of the Hobbits, and then like a lot of <laughs> other good stuff. Like find out why I thought Fable 3 was scary. Go check that out. But yeah, these are just clips. <laughs> these are just clips from the main show. Um, between like, I don't know, five and 20 minutes. We had a one that was like 20 minutes. It was uh, about whether or not Covenant will be joining the Halo Infinite squad mm-hmm. or for playing, like, you know, yeah. playable elites, that kind of stuff. Okay, I'm dropping it in the chat. I still have hope for that. It'll eventually so come out. Make sure you guys drop in there and subscribe so we can actually get the custom Drop into Chris's DMs. Hey, look, it's Demi Crow. Hello, Demi Crow. Demi Crow. Shout out to him, supporter of a lot of our streams. Very, very awesome gentleman. Mm-hmm. Good channel. Good content. All right, y'all, let's get into it. Let's get into it. Well, when you think of video game sequels, what are some of the best video game sequels you've ever played? Halo 2, Halo 3, Witcher 2, Arkham City. Uh, You didn't say Witcher 3. Well, yeah, yeah, Witcher 3. And that's kind of biased because you didn't play The Witcher 1. You know what, though? I watched it play through, and according to you, that counts. I'm eventually going to get to the Witcher 1. It kind of counts. It's, it's it a kind very... of counts. You always speak with such authority when you've done that. Okay, if you play the Witcher 1, um, and even just a little bit of it, you'll realize like really quickly, a, a lot of it is just pick a skill, upgrade it, you know, skill tree, and then basically simulate the game. They used the KOTOR engine that was in between KOTOR and Mass Effect, mm-hmm. where it wasn't quite real-time, but it wasn't quite KOTOR, and uh, semi-successful, not quite 100%, but it's still a great game. But yes, I would agree, The Witcher 2 is amazing. Mm-hmm. That game was awesome. Uh, I enjoyed Super every Mario part. Galaxy 2. Zelda Super Breath of the Wild, my personal favorite. <laughs> disagree <laughs> on that one. <laughs> Well, you can't disagree that it's my favorite. You might say it's not your favorite. It's not my favorite. <laughs> um, Link's Awakening was really good, too, as far as the 2D, 2D, 2D ones go. Um, what about you? Um, some of my favorite sequels of all time. Well, Dead Rising 2 absolutely mm-hmm. improved the mechanics of Dead Rising 1. Removed the photography, which was pretty awesome. I did like not having photography as a uh, side gig on the game. Mass Effect 2 is great. Um, Halo 2 and Halo 3 are both great. Although I liked Halo CE better than Halo 2. I know I'm the, the minority on that one. I'm not going to disagree with you. Like 
Halo CE holds such a special place in my heart. The only reason why I would put it above it is because of Xbox Live. Playing uh, Xbox Live, and that was like the first game I ever did that with. It was just such an amazing experience. So the nostalgia hits me hard. Now, if all I had played of the three, four of the Halo games was four, five, and Infinite, I would happily say Infinite's a better game than four and five. But I have played the other ones, so it's hard for me to place Infinite above three and two. Oh no, I wouldn't. I definitely wouldn't. I do like it a lot, and I, it has a great foundation. And we've talked about this before, but it's lacking a lot of stuff. So, uh, some of the other sequels, um, all the Persona games get better, uh, at least presentation-wise, or some element of Persona gets better with every sequel. I won't say as a whole game they always are better, but initially, or when you first play, like so for example, if you played three and then four and then five. Five is going to look amazing. Like visually, it's one of the best looking games I've ever played, and it's a good game. Like, don't get me wrong; they did everything you would expect out of a sequel, and there's no continuous storyline, so like you don't have to worry about <laughs> playing the previous one. But it is a good game. Um, some other good Kotor two, although they rushed the ending, so there's that. But it was a good improvement over the first one. Um, you know, it's funny. I'm thinking back, and there's a lot of series that I never played a second or third game in. Hmm. Like what? Well, for example, Gears of War. I played one and two. Oh, oh, that's a good series. So second one was way better than the first one. That I would agree on that. Um, I honestly like the newer ones, but they, they definitely have a different flair to them. So I think that's unfair to, to compare them. But yeah, Fable or Fable 2. Uh, Gears of War 2 was phenomenal. I love killing that giant worm. I've heard that Fable's a, a, an odd one with fan bases that like one best, two best, and some dumb people like me who like three best yeah. you're ridiculous most people like fable 2 the most and i think it's just because there's a lot more you can do it's much more open you can buy houses much easier um there's jobs and um a lot more variety in the quest lines the reason why i prefer fable 1 is because i like the medieval theme better i like the ridiculously large swords and <laughs> there's a lot more bosses anime um, swords yeah the, the, exactly it was like final fantasy swords <laughs> it's great Oh, there's um, a good point. Um, Fire Emblem. Actually, mm -hmm. Fire Emblem's interesting for me because for me, Fire Emblem kind of does this. It goes up in a crescendo and then climaxes somewhere around the GameCube DS time. And it then climaxes. It to... That's a legit word. Thank you very much. And then it goes downhill from there until you get to um, the redemption that is Fire Emblem uh, Echoes Shadows of Valencia, which is absolutely an incredible game. Although it is a remake of an old game, so take it with a grain of salt. But I do yeah, love I don't know that if that really one. counts. Remakes don't count. It's a remake, but it's from the bottom up. Like it's a completely new experience for anyone who played the original Gaiden. Like you would not be able to tell that it was Gaiden, except for if you knew the story. Hmm. Okay. Like it plays. Like it's got the same maps, at least similar, uh, but it's not the same exact game as what you played in the '80s or '90s. I don't remember if that's an '80s game or an early '90s. It's one or the other. What about um, Donkey Kong Country? Donkey Kong. That's a good one. I know a lot of people hate on three, but what they do with three. I think if people gave it a new chance in like the in now, like modern day, like for example, one of my uh, favorite YouTubers, um, I've talked about him before. Um, it's the shoot, brain is not working. Uh, <laughs> let me find it. Interesting name. Uh, it's, it's Geek something. Geek Donkey Kong. Geek. 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 Oh Geek. yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he actually did a new video on Donkey Kong Country Three after all these years. And changed his mind that it's actually a good game. Oh, okay. Because he did this originally seven years ago and talked about how bad this game is. 
and then anticlimax, and it's like this one, yep, very different. So what's funny is he spends the entire video avoiding Kitty Kong. He played the entire game capturing footage with just Trixie, no mm -hmm. Kitty Kong. And weird, that's why <laughs> it's such a great video. Oh my gosh, I love it! But yeah, geek critique. So, you talk about how Donkey Kong Country 3 kind of redeems itself. What's going on, Bubio? All right, so I have to say, I, I think people giving it a new chance now would recognize how much Rare actually did in this space with three. Like, everybody loves two. And nobody gives three any credit, despite the fact that it changed everything they did and made it bigger and better before Donkey Kong Country 64 even came out. Yep. So what about you? Where do you land on the Donkey Kong Country games? Think they get um, better with each one? Yeah, I think they did. Uh I do think like personally, two is like technically my favorite, but I can see why three is is like technically superior. It's it's technically it is one hundred percent technically superior when you look at what it did. Now there are definitely some cons that don't hold up well over time, but overall yeah. it is a it, for being on the Super Nintendo it's extremely well done. Mm -hmm. uh, so going from that, I, I want to ask you this question: Will what makes a sequel better or at least as good? Well, I mean, obviously, at least as good is to just continue with what worked in the first game. So, you know, if, it, if a game really hit, struck a chord with the audience, and it's like, for whatever reason, like really great set pieces, great story arc, good gameplay, uh, the bare minimum they can do in a sequel is just continue that like, um, and not improve at all. <laughs> Maybe have some minor uh, refinements, like update the UI, make it not so clunky, remove glitches, that kind of thing. Um, and that would give you like the bare minimum. Most people like that's, I think in most people's hearts, that's, that's what they're expecting a sequel to have is just more of the same, even though they'll, they'll complain. It's like, oh, we don't want the same thing. Uh, I think most people want at least 90% the same. I would now say we're, in the same generation, that's totally fine. Yeah. Like when um, we're talking about video game generations. Yeah. Well, that's a whole nother caveat. So the, uh, the way that you can really elevate a sequel, though, is honestly, if you go back and like look at some of these, these series that we really like, so let's just take Halo, for example. Um, Halo 1 was a great game, but they had to cut out almost everything that they wanted to do. Um, and they were able to funnel a lot of that into the second game. And I think that when you have a game where there's a lot of passion that goes into it, they really expand the horizon in the first game. But they aren't, they, like, before it's able to be published, they have to cut most of it out. Um, a lot of that translates really well into the sequel. And I think that is kind of a weird developer process, but that's the same thing that happened with The Witcher. It's the same thing that happened with Fable. Um, same thing with Gears of War, where they just essentially included what they had to cut from the first game and put that into the second game. <laughs> and uh, it flows so well because it was already part of that process. So it seems like a natural evolution. Does that make sense? Yeah. No. And the totally same thing with Halo 3, um, where... They, that game wasn't even supposed to exist, but they had to cut so much out of the second game that they just ended up making an entirely new game with it. Um, so if they had Forge in Halo 2, they had a bunch of like theater mode, a bunch of things that they were trying to have in Halo 2. They I was going to say, they didn't have three. Forge in Halo 2, but you're saying... Actually, the PC version does. But the, yeah, um, yeah, eventually Vista got it. Yeah, well, it was supposed to be in there, and then they cut it because they couldn't get it done in time. And so they put it in the third one. So, yeah. I think that's... That, I think that's when it's the same team, they already have a lot of good ideas generated from the first game. They have a momentum from the first game. I think that's when you end up having a really good sequel. 
because they already have the vision and they're not trying to reinvent the wheel. Uh, what happens is a corporate, like the parent company or whatever, is like they misunderstand what the, resonates with the audience and they focus on the wrong thing. Like uh, in Mass Effect 3, they try to make it, not Mass Effect, sorry, Dead Space 3. They made it way too action-y and they took out the horror aspect and uh, they put in a bunch of microtransactions. Because <laughs> everybody loves the horror of microtransactions. Yes, <laughs> but they they, they they screwed up what made that game unique. So it wasn't supposed to be Resident Evil. It was supposed to be um, like its own thing, where it's like it's very spooky, go very slowly. Is that even made by Capcom or is that EA? <laughs> it's EA. That's what I thought. So they, they they were trying to make their own version of Resident Evil. That's how of, it started. That's actually how it franchise. started. It was supposed to be Resident Evil, Evil clone. Hmm. How about Bioshock then? Bioshock was System Shock. Yeah, no, I know that. I know that. I'm just saying, like, Bioshock was a game that I felt like most people enjoyed Bioshock 2, and it was it completely changed what they did. Oh, I thought Bioshock. I thought this the thing is it's weird. So at the time, I think a lot of people like Bioshock 2, and I can tell you why. It's because you get to play as the big daddy and it's a power <laughs> fantasy, but it completely changed the gameplay, and it's not nearly as good as the other two. Well, a lot of people thought Bioshock Infinite was it was like what happened with Fable 3. It was like they pro- overpromised, underdelivered, but like looking at it from the perspective of somebody who played it way later, mm-hmm. it does deliver on almost everything you would want in a sequel despite not meeting the yeah. expectations of what they originally promised. Yeah, I don't know exactly what they originally promised. It was a lot of fun swinging between the islands. It was fun having a different aspect to the same story essentially because it really is the same story Mm -hmm. we have this dystopian city that's like like this magical technology um ends up being the same dude like it it's all connected (laughs) to um rapture so that was really really cool and i think it tied the story together really well like the multi-dimensional aspect and the timelines and stuff was really trippy so if you're gonna play a sequel do you do you prefer a one contiguous timeline or do you not care i don't care if it's done well so like zelda is a great example where it's like they're not they're usually not connected at all yeah but i really enjoy each sequel um what about but, the timeline in the zelda historia no nah, no like people bend over backwards to try to get those things to connect and like some of it's actually pretty compelling like there's like the child timeline and then the adult timeline and things and like when uh link loses and when he wins it's pretty cool but um, anyway, no, they're not connected at all. It's basically the developers are like, oh, I have this idea <laughs> and we're going to make it a Zelda game. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, tracks. <laughs> exactly. Um, but, uh, I also like continuation of the stories like Halo, the Halo trilogy is perfect for that. It continues that, you know, has a complete story arc, very satisfying. You get to know the characters. You are sad when you lose characters. And I like, there's actually an ending. Um, Fable is another one that, although it's loosely connected, it isn't connected at all. Um, that honestly frustrates me because I really wanted to have the impacts of my first character, have impacts on the second character, and also the second character have impacts on the third character. Um, Do you think that a game should be allowed to end on a cliffhanger, or should they wrap up whatever storyline's going? I think if it's done well, yeah, you can totally end on a cliffhanger. Um, I oh, mean, will. No, what if the game gets canceled after that game comes Yeah, no, out? it sucks. Like, I can totally <laughs> see, because there's been several games where they end on a cliffhanger and they don't, they're not finished, and it sucks. I don't think um, cliffhangers should exist. You don't think should look? No, come on, man. Cliffhangers <laughs> are, the, are great when done well, and they're earned. Uh, no. 
And the thing is, if you don't, if you're not into the series, then a cliffhanger doesn't exist. So there you go. <laughs> you just don't care. <laughs> if I found out a game, if I would have known Halo Two ended on a cliffhanger before Halo Three, you know, if I'd have known that, I probably would not have played it until Halo Three actually came out. Like that's how dedicated I am to finishing a storyline. Oh my gosh, it was. I actually remember the feeling when I finally beat that last level, and I was just like, "That's it? The hell?" <laughs> And then I actually like I honestly really disliked that game for a while, um, the, the campaign. Um, but if you go back and replay it, it's, it's still really fun. I just now I have. I can oh, yeah, it's a good game. Play. It's a good game. I just hate that it ends on a cliffhanger, like finishing this fight. And then it's yeah. like, it ends it's like what? A developer should know where they stand financially. Halo 2 was never going to sell poorly. So they guaranteed the th- third <laughs> game. Um, but if you're like an independent studio or something, don't do it. Just Just have it. So many good uh, movies do this too, where like the original movie that, like is a wrapped up story, but they're able to continue the storyline. Like The Matrix, it does not end on the, on a cliffhanger, but it ends on open. So you, the, you could have more sequels if it did well, um, but didn't have. I'm to have okay sequels. with that. Like if they had said finishing this fight and he's in the middle of a battle, you finish the battle, mm-hmm. and then it's left up to chance, like because you've actually felt like you completed something. No, yeah, didn't finish, no, not not Fable or uh, not Halo Two. No, they talk about it all the time though. How much the developers hated that too. Yeah, like they, they, they could have done something with that instead of just finishing this. Fight. Well, it's because what? they're overly ambitious and they had an entire game mapped out. And when they got to like the last month, they're like, "Oh shit, we don't have time." Like, where? Like, how far can we actually uh, complete till? Um, and then we have to cut the rest of it. And that's where they were able to finish too. <laughs> the him saying. Uh, Chief, mind telling me what you're doing on that ship? Finishing this fight, sir. Something like that. And then they cut out. <laughs> you're supposed to have a whole scene where you actually fought through the ship and everything. Well, yeah, he had a war- there was a warthog run, which mm-hmm. should have been there. Like, let's be honest. Oh, that it should have been. been. Oh, it would have been great. You could have the warthog, warthog run in the alien ship. It would have been great. I'm waiting to see how many custom warthog runs there are on Halo Infinite when Forge actually comes out. Oh, yes. Did you see they leaked Forge by accident? Yeah, well, they've leaked it multiple times now. Yeah, well, the it's official like developer developer leak, so it was attached to the co-op. Oh, <laughs> they they put they left the files in. <laughs> well, they left the Forge files in the original multiplayer beta. Yeah, no, Remember that. They, uh, yeah, I don't know That's who's doing that, but clearly somebody who either is trying to leak it out. That, I think it's probably somebody in the dev team that's trying to save the game. Like, here's what was coming. I promise yeah, it is actually please, being Please, on. guys. I promise it's coming. It's coming. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I have to say some of the most disappointing sequels ever for me were like Red Dead 2. Like, psh, that game is too realistic. Like, here's something I want to do. Let's just, Yeah, they didn't read, focus on what made the game great to begin let's, with. Let's read this. Let's read this thing and see if we agree with them. Silent Hill 2. I have no comment on that one. Yeah, I didn't play the first one, so. Uh, Halo 2. I agree. Great sequel. They, for some reason, have a MCC version of Halo 2 up there, but okay. Yeah, I don't care about this one. I don't care about Resident Evil. Half-Life, Half-Life 2, 2, yes. Is, yes, that's a great game. Portal 2, also great. Also great. with that one. Arkham City. You might have something to say about this one. So, Arkham City. Yes, it is a better game than the first game. Hands down, it's way more open. There's so much more to do. The gadgets are better. The gameplay feels better. But it's almost too open for me. So, like, as a Batman, it was just much more fun going through Arkham Asylum because you don't get lost. You're not overwhelmed. 
this is a, a thing. Chris, you'll appreciate this coming. Not everything has to be open world. <laughs> In fact, a lot of things don't need to this be This is the world. first time, first and last time I'm going to say that. <laughs> okay. But yeah, I thought this, it was like almost too much. Oh, yeah. Assassin's Creed 2, way yeah, more. I think that's another thing that shows whether a sequel holds up or not is can you go back to it years later and appreciate it still? Because a lot of times when a sequel comes out, Desmond, oh my God. <clears throat> when a sequel comes out, a lot of times you're like blown away because it's next gen or it's newer developments or new things that come out. Yeah. But a lot of times when you go back and play a game, you play the original. You go back for the nostalgia of the first Halo. You go back for mm-hmm. the nostalgia of the first Massive. Well, a lot of people are going back to Mass Effect too. But realistically, if you go back and play a sequel, and not just the original game. Like, clearly the devs had it going. Mm-hmm. I think that's really one of the feelings for me is I can go back and play every single Halo game through the Bungie era. Yep. And I have no problem doing that. It's so much fun to do, and it feels good to play it still. It, well, yeah, the gameplay loop they designed is revolutionary. That's why it's every other game so used to this. <laughs> yeah. Mass Effect 2. This is a game I always go back to. Mass Effect 2. Is one of games. the best sequels I have ever played in my life, only to be followed up with one of the worst sequels I've ever played in my entire life, Mass Effect 3. But it's great Mass until Effect. the ending, though, right? Yeah, I mean, all of Mass Effect is great until the ending. Although I'm curious what Bioware is going to do with Mass Effect 4 or Mass Effect Continuation. That's going to suck. Don't get your hopes Dare up. I say Mass Effect Infinite, whatever the hell they decide to call it. I think they're just calling it Mass Effect. Probably. I think it's sort of like a reboot. So Uncharted, that's a series that seems to always get better every time they release a new one. I, I really Everyone likes these, I don't know. They're, too, they're very cinematic. They're played like every other Sony game. They're like Tomb Raider. <laughs> Bro, dude, yeah. this is what this is what Tomb Raider stole the entire... Okay, the well, entire I really like loop. Tomb Raider, so I guess I would really like this series. This is basically... like Tomb Raider was the multi-console variant of Uncharted. They basically stole the entire formula and made their... You get to fight bears and wolves in this, though? You get to fight a lot of stuff. It's Uncharted is the reason that Tomb Raider went the direction they did. I completely disagree with this. Red Dead Redemption 1 is fun. Red Dead Redemption 2 is this garbage cowboy simulator. It's too realistic. It, 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 I just hate it. I hate Red Dead Redemption 2. It's not fun. Yeah, I don't have that strong an opinion yet because I haven't gotten to it. But the, I tried. I played I tried like 20 really minutes of it so far. I just, it's just, you know, in my back catalog. Um, but they There's did go super around. realistic with it. Not every game has to have like an endurance meter. I hate endurance meters. I that hate... is one of the things I hate the most about this game. Yep. No, it sucks. It's terrible. The only I, okay, I will finally give a compliment to Breath of the Wild. The endurance meter in Breath of the Wild feels very forgiving compared to the one in Red Dead Two. Well, yeah, because it, it's <clears throat> you only have it when you're climbing a rock wall, and you can build it up to be like a god. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fair point. <laughs> So what would you say is the first time you played a sequel and you were blown away? Was it probably Halo 2? Oh, Halo 2, for sure. Um, for me, it was probably Age of Empires 2, but that was earlier. I actually have to think about that. I mean, does an expansion count? No. No, that's not a sequel. Um, when it comes yeah, to Halo, it's gotta be Halo 2, I, my first blown away experience in Halo was Halo 3. Like, hands down, it was one of the greatest moments of my life to put that in the console. In my mm-hmm. video gaming life, let's put it that way. Okay. Um, put it in the console and see that. It was like, wow, this is... Oh, yeah. Well, next gen. 
actually like blown away the visuals of Halo 3. So like I, that was, my dad had just bought a plasma TV. I had never seen HD television before. So when I plugged in Halo, I actually literally would just stare at the screen and be like, oh my gosh, this is so pretty. Yeah. It's particularly the level, um, not the Covenant. Uh, what level What level is that? Called? Probably the first one was absolutely breathtaking with the forest. No, no, it wasn't. That. It's where the, you have the AA guns. Maybe it is the Covenant. You have the AA guns and you have to take them out. Like the AA Wraith tanks. It's, there's so many purples and really vibrant greens and pinks in that level right in the beginning. It's so pretty. I think it is the Covenant. I, I replay that level all the time. <laughs> True that, Dan. Gets them every time. <laughs> Luke, I am your father. Or how so about this? Uh, a good sequel is uh, when you find out that you're no one's child, and then the next one you find you're out you, you are actually Palpatine's granddaughter. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only story arc that matters. You're a Palpatine clone's child. Wasn't yeah. that what it was? A Palpatine? Yes, clone? it was. I, I, yep. Even more complexity. <laughs> oh God! All right. Uh, yeah, this is the this is the level, but this is a Cuphead thing. Um, let me think about this. So, I guess a good question to ask is: when you're playing a sequel and you paid $60 for another, like, what would get you to pre-order a sequel to a game? Obviously, the first game has to be great. It has to so be great, yeah. If, it betray, if they betray that with the sequel being bad, they lose a fan forever, like, mm -hmm. pretty much. Yeah. So, at what point, I guess that's it. How long can you play a sequel before you decide, this is the worst game ever in the series? And then, like, are you willing to commit through the entire sequel if it's bad in the beginning? Like, how well, much? Did with Fable Three, it took me approximately, probably about an hour into the gameplay when I realized that you don't get any experience points. It's all those freaking guild seals, and the gameplay loop sucked. And also that stupid road to, road to rule thing. Um, Is that the one where they had like the gates and stuff? Because I can't remember which one it was. Yeah, that's the one with the gates. Okay, you, had to, so you had to like walk that path and open chests. <laughs> oh, I, mean, I liked it, but I also didn't like it. No, I hated it. It was awful. Um, but as far as, like, I mean, going back to, like, Halo 2, how pumped I was for that. They had, you know, the first game was great. Then they had the announced trailer for the second game where they have him freaking jump out of the ship. And he's going, he's, like, walking through the corridors like a badass, talking to Cortana. And you see, like, the mission log. It's, like, destroy the Coven Armada, destroy the Halo ring, save humanity in progress or something like that. Um, and then he opens the vacuum seal and he jumps into space. Oh, amazing ad. Yeah, I mean, I, I... Sucky gameplay, Dan, for sure. I have to say, so this is another one we can look at. The 10 worst video game sequels ever made. It's an article on Goliath.com. So I haven't played Prince of Persia. I can't really talk about that one or Driver 3. Oh, yeah. Banzo and Kazooie Nuts and Bolts. This is but I can not say a this. Banzo Kazooie game. It's not a banjo kazooie game, but it's not a bad game either. So like, no. I think I think if you, for the sequel, change it up too much or put it in yeah. a totally different genre, yep, it doesn't always work. No, rarely does. 
Well, you established you established your gameplay in one game. That's this is another reason why if sequels have a big gap in between them, it can be really disastrous because they can have different developers, they can go in different directions. There's new trends in the video game industry. So although people are expecting it to go one way, the developers may have a completely different idea. Yeah. Well, for example, like Zelda 2, The Adventure of Link. Not the same of, game. <laughs> a lot of people like call this an awful, awful game. And I imagine if I had played the original Zelda and I went to this from that, like back in the 80s when these came out, I'd be so confused. Like, what am I playing? You know, mm-hmm. like it's you're no, going from it. an adventure quest to an RPG adventure. And it's like completely it's like they took Final Fantasy, all the worst elements of it, like random enemy encounters mm-hmm. and just put it in a Zelda game. <laughs> Super Mario Bros. 2. Like, I, I actually really enjoyed this game, I but I don't too. have the experience of playing it when it came out. No. Perfect Dark Zero was just okay. Now, how about Duke Nukem Forever? This is apparently a game that a lot of people hate. I've actually never played it, but I've seen so many trailers. And this is the one that came out sort of recently? Sort of, yeah. They were they were developing it for a very long time. See? Mm-hmm. And also, that's another thing. You lose your fan base and the momentum from the original, so you just don't care anymore. There are very few games that if they wait like 20 years and then have a sequel can actually engage with the current modern audience at the time. Yeah. Like there's a lot of games that if they have a long enough break, it's not even worth doing a new game in this series. Mm-hmm. One of the shining examples that breaks through that though is Donkey Kong Country Returns. That game is amazing. And it feels like a modern Donkey Kong Country game. And because mm-hmm. the Donkey Kong Country games did so well in the eShop, they've been played and played and played and played over and over and over again. They hold up to today. That's a game that because the fan base still plays it, because the modern audience has had a chance to play it in the eShop retro, they were able to do a sequel so many years later. Yeah, well, they released it really great. So like when the original one came out, like a lot of people were kids. And then by the time that the remake, not remake, but you know what I mean, like a, the new edition came out, um they had kids themselves so like we well hey wife this is a great great idea to buy this and it ended up being great gameplay for everybody so oh yeah it's hard as it's hard as as, whatever you want to call it hard as rocks whatever the i thought you said like hard as a rat's ass (laughs) what does that mean what no (laughs) hard as a shrimp what hard as a shrimp yes uh I don't like. I can't resonate with any of those sequels. Okay, here's another good question: How long should it take for a sequel to come out? That is a. It just depends. As long as it takes to make a good game, how about that, Chris? (laughs) Okay, so let's say it's Halo. How often should a new Halo game come out, in your opinion? Um, that's tough. I mean, if you're going with the original to really standalone game model and not like live service with DLC and shit, uh. They were releasing it every three years, I think. Was that the cadence that they had? I think you're right. And I mean, that seemed right to me. I had I was able to get through everything, play a lot of the multiplayer, play through the game several times, and then the new, new one came out. So you Call were of talking- Duty should not come out every freaking year because <laughs> I have lost interest in that series like 10 years ago now. Hold up. Is this not what I thought it was? Like, what no, is- it's Bomberman, but it's freaking terrible. It's edgy, edgy Bomberman. And I think, uh, yeah, right here. <laughs> Is it like first-person shooter Bomberman? Yeah, yeah it's what? like, uh, 
What? It's like Doom almost, but bummer. Man. I what? can't quite remember this, but no, it's it's trash. I gotta try this. It looks like a trash fire. This doesn't even look like Bower Man. What? Oh god. Okay. I'll, uh, that looks bad. That just looks bad. Call you go. Whatever. Everyone hates Ghost. I honestly kind of enjoyed that one. <laughs> just saying. This is a game I couldn't finish because it glitched out. So I'll agree it was bad. I'll say Crackdown 2 was a lot better than Crackdown 1, at least in my opinion. Well, of course this is bad. It's Iron Man 2 on the DS. <laughs> the first one was bad too, I think. Yes. <laughs> That's a oh, good yeah. Point. Is this Super Mario Party 10? Is that when they get in the cars? Yeah. Oh, man. So, yeah, there you go. That's a great example of a bad sequel. They completely changed the gameplay for no freaking reason. Yeah, they were. I don't know what their plan was with that. Oh one, yeah, Dragon Age Two, another one. They completely changed the gameplay. They focused this on game the wrong was worse in every way possible ever. So the thing <laughs> is, it's not a bad game. It's just very action oriented, and the story is just not as great, and you don't have as many options. Whereas in the original, you had it's like much more RPG focused, lots of story options, it's much more fleshed out. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Oh yeah, there is a Gollum game, game coming out, and I'm so confused by this. It's coming out in October, I think. Yeah, I do not understand. Whoever thought that was a good idea. <laughs> they were probably just saying, hey, we need to keep the real Lord of the Rings alive despite this Amazon series coming out. Well, they're, that's not the way to do, to do it. And somebody's like, let's make a game about I think it looks like it, they released a gameplay of it, and I think um, it's a uh, platform-based, like a platformer. Yeah, I mean, it's him following the Hobbit, isn't it? I have no. We, we need to keep the license. That's what this is. Yes. Well, it's, it's not... Uh, Warner Brothers is making it day Dalek Entertainment. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. They're the ones that made uh, Pillars of the Earth. I really enjoyed uh, Pillars of the Earth, the the game they made. The Dalek makes some really interesting story oriented games. This game is going to bankrupt that company. So just, think just so? Uh, enjoy I don't know. I think enough games. people. I think enough people might play. If this. they release it on Game Pass and PlayStation Now or whatever they call that thing, yeah, maybe. I mean, they're they're actually a lot bigger than people think. Thing is, but. who who will purposely want to play as Gollum? I mean, everyone wants to play Lord of the Rings for either the uh, potential for RPG, the fantasy element, or the action um, fantasy, power fantasy rather. Carl, I'm confused. Elaborate, please. Like, what do you mean? Literally, you mean like a Telltale style thing where it's like the action and adventure? And I've never paid, like a, played this game, Chris. Is this like more of a? It's like RPG? a Telltale game. No, no, no. Pillars of the Earth is a Telltale game, basically. I, made by I mean, I love that game. Yeah. Uh, it and it literally follows the book. Like every decision you make, you can divert from the book, and it was really interesting seeing some of the game the the decisions you can make to get kind of break the game. Um, Carl, have you just? Carl, answer me yes or no. Have you played the Daedalic Entertainment Telltale style Flows of the Earth game? That's what I want to know. Have you played it? All right. Moving uh, on. I agree that would sell. I'm confused what the selling point is for this game. Maybe Gollum is well. like that. Maybe it is like that. Maybe you can make decisions to F Maybe. with uh, like Frodo and Sam. I don't know if it. I think it's I before. It's before Frodo goes on his quest. So, oh, okay. So I you think end up, Gandalf you end up is going to be in it because in the preview they have Gandalf like talking to him in his head. But is it part of it? Is supposed? Oh, you know what? Actually, there are going to be choices because you're supposed to be like 
you have Smeagol and Gollum constantly fighting. So you can like make choices to like side with Gollum's side of personality or Smeagol's person's side, uh, side of his personality. And who's this game? What's this game coming out for? What's here? Is it is it oh, VR? Uh, uh, no, it's all of the systems. I'm gonna get it. I'll play it. <laughs> Do it. I want to know what it's like. Also, look what they made Gollum look like. It's fine, like having your own artistic license, but everyone knows what Gollum looks like now because of the Peter Jackson trilogy. Yeah. Sometimes you have to change. So I will say this. What's interesting about the holding the license is you actually sometimes cannot use the identical uh, CGI art because that is wholly owned by, say, Warner Brothers. Or yeah, they so you'd have to pay a lot of money to use that model. They only have the rights to the Gollum character from the books. They don't have the rights to the Gollum character from the movies. So that's why right. so I just can't. They I can't just necessarily make, you know, make the same CGI. Comment. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, here's the next question for you, William. What is the worst sequel you've ever played? Oh, man. There are a lot of bad ones. Like, what you opened up the game and you're like, oh, I blew $60. <laughs> yeah, well, obviously, other than every single sports game ever. Um, <laughs> Those are the worst sequels ever. <laughs> That's yeah, they fact. all like oh man, they've sucks for so long now. Um man, we were just talking about it. Uh, obviously Fable 3 is one, but oh um what's the James Bond that came out right after um Goldeneye? James oops, is it Agent James, Under Fire? I think you're right. James Bond video games. Let's find out, Will. Let's find out. Okay. Let's see here. So you got Goldeneye and then James Bond 007. It's literally after it, apparently. Tomorrow Never Dies. Yeah. So it's James Bond 007. All right. So I guess, hold on. It's uh, Agent Under it? Fire was way after that. That was that, on the yeah, That's the next one I got, though. So the other ones might okay. be like just on systems I didn't have or something. Any, anyway, Agent Under Fire is terrible. And I was just shocked because I went from Goldeneye to that one. Well, you know, I don't and, think this was produced by uh, Rare. No, it definitely wasn't. There's a problem right there. Mm -hmm. All right, so some of the sequels to games that I didn't like. Well, there's a lot of Tony Hawk games I didn't like that weren't. Hmm, so okay. I, I liked Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1, 2, and I really enjoyed American Wasteland. But there's a lot of ones in between and after those that were garbage, just absolutely terrible. And they carried the Tony Hawk name, and I was sad to see just how bad the franchise got before they just rebooted it recently and created a masterpiece of a remake of Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2. That's a really good, well-done one. Um, oh, here's a good one. Fable the Journey is not technically a sequel. It's more of a side game. Uh, how do you feel about side games do you give them the same weight as a sequel no if it's established it's going to be a spinoff uh, i don't care like i okay. review as a spinoff and i i usually have a lesser opinion and sometimes the spinoff ends up being better than the original property um persona and nothing <laughs> they like personas games um nothing comes to mind but like uh halo odst was a spinoff and i really really yeah. enjoyed that game um just what is some other spinoffs? I know that I know there are What is is Reach Tech? I know it's, yeah, it's a, a prologue. prequel. It's technically the same storyline. Pre prologue prequel. My bad. My goodness. 
But yeah, that, I mean, technically that would not be in the main. So it's not really a sequel because it's a prequel and you have more liberties slash a different opinion of that game. So like that, not playing as Master Chief, having the Spartan abilities, that kind of thing. Or the equipment, rather. I'm looking at my wall to see if there's anything I think of. Um, how about Metroid Prime? Because here's another thing that can really affect oh, yeah. a sequel is a change in controller. Because you yeah, go from the GameCube true. controller to Wii Motion. And everything suffered. <laughs> Actually, what's funny about Metroid Prime is it's one of the few games that uses the Wiimotes well for gunplay. I don't know I'm not saying know. it's amazing, but it, it is pretty good. Leave you, Matt. I will Have say, you, about, you bring up Prime a good Prime. point, though. So like the Prime trilogy changed perspectives completely. So it went from 2D to 3D. Um, and... Is that technically a sequel? Because now you have 2D and 3D games. So it was at is, a time. It was a sequel at the time, right? There is a timeline to the Metroid games. I believe the Prime trilogy is supposed to have occurred between Metroid 2 and Super Metroid. I'm pretty sure about that. Either that or it's between Metroid 1 and Metroid 2. I don't remember which, but it's supposed to have occurred between one of those sets of games. Um, the creator the official creators never actually endorsed that that's how it goes down okay but technically speaking i think that's how the timeline's supposed to go i'm curious now that about that but they're they're like all right how about this uh super mario world to super mario 64. is that technically a sequel i mean i never was at the time so people was expecting the next mario game and that's what they got i see it with mario I always just expect a different game because yeah, we do know, about, but nothing about the, time, the Mario is still relatively new. Well, if you play Super Mario Bros. and then you play Super Mario World, I don't feel like those games are the same at all. I just feel They're like Mario's in them. Yeah, kind of like all of the Mario spinoffs: Mario Kart, Mario Party, Mario Soccer, Mario Baseball. Yeah, but at that time there was Mario Golf, Mario Tennis. They didn't have tennis and golf on the Super Nintendo, did they? No, I think it was on the Game Boy. I was on the Virtual Boy. The first Mario Tennis was on the Virtual Boy, so it was out. No one at, had that. No one out knew that existed. Same time, technically. <laughs> uh, trying to think what else you could say. So, oh, Forza Horizon. Like, what? What would that be considered? That's a spinoff. That was that's a spinoff with with sequels. Yeah. And the Forza series is beautiful to look at, and Horizon, for whatever reason, is even more beautiful to look at. Mm-hmm. That is a driving simulator, essentially. It is, but I, I like being able to just go right to the field. And also the newest one, in the very <laughs> beginning, you dropped from a plane onto a volcano. <laughs> like, you can't beat that. <laughs> okay, enough said about that, that's for sure. Uh, at what point does a sequel change the game so much, but in a good way, that the series itself doesn't feel the same going back? Like, what's a game you could think of? That when the sequel came out, you played it and you're like, I'm never going back to the original. Is there anything like that? You're not going to like the answer. So I don't think there's ever going to be a game that's like, I will never go back and still appreciate the original game. Um, there's a reason why I like the series and there's a reason why I like it, maybe like the characters or whatever I really liked. But I personally really like the gameplay changes of Zelda and Breath of the Wild. <laughs> I know that Chris hates this, and I know a lot of people hate this, but man, do I did I like the changes. Do I agree that I hope the next one has like more traditional dungeons? Yes. But I like the I do like the open world aspect to that. 
and finding the mysteries in, in the world. If we have another game with breakable weapons, I'm done with Zelda. Like, no <laughs> so more breakable it, weapons. The breakable weapons really pissed me off at first, but once you get used to it and know how to play around it, it's fine. No. No, it's not. It's just messed up. <laughs> like, if the Master Sword breaks, I'm going to be... It doesn't like, break, man. Okay, thank God. It doesn't break in the Breath of the Wild either. No, that's what I mean. If it <laughs> broke in Breath of the Wild, I'd be so angry. No. I haven't gotten yes. that far yet. I, I've, I've been so frustrated with Breath of the Wild. Like, I just have not. <laughs> well, you know what's funny is I bought the Wii U because you let me play that game. And I was like, I'm buying this game and I'm buying the Wii U. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And come to find out you didn't even like the game. Yeah, I uh, I liked a lot of other games on the Wii U. I still yeah. have a lot of games on it, like Bayonetta 1 and 2. And oh, that reminds rock. me. I need to ask Eric for like all of my games back. <laughs> what did he borrow them? I let I let him borrow like all of my Wii U games and almost all of my Switch games. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh geez. Guess you better go talk to Eric. I know. Like that. I wonder. Like, what is the uh, amount of time that like when you're loaning someone something that it just becomes theirs because <laughs> they've had it for so long? How long have you loaned it for? I loaned it like in February or something. It's been a oh, long time. Maybe even last year. Maybe it's been forever. I uh, I, think I I don't usually loan games. I just give them away if I don't want them. Usually, I, no, I do want but, them. It's just like they but usually what I do is I loan one game to one person until they complete it. I don't loan them all of my games. Yeah, I can explain the circumstances, but yeah, there's a reason. Okay, I did it. all right, fair enough. Uh, do... oh, getting back, which sequels have completely kind of ruined the original for you? Um. Sequels that ruined the original. I mean, I can tell you some movies that did that, but well, yeah, but that's a different story. Um, I'm trying to think of like a sequel that actually made me not want to play the original, and honestly, there's not many. No. Oh, The Witcher Two. I'll never play The Witcher One again. Yeah, but that's not because it ruined it for you. It's just like it's just so technically superior, and the original game is so clunky. The original game is really good. It's actually like the story is amazing, but now that I've played through it and I know all the choices, like I don't need to re-experience that in order for me to play it again, mm-hmm. or in order for me to appreciate what it did. Witcher Two, on the other hand, I would probably play that again, just because yeah, I think I, I think I'd be a lot better at it. Like mechanically speaking, my gameplay by the time I finished the game, I started to finally get the mechanics better. Yeah. Oh, how do you I, like the dragon fight? Spoilers. That was. I tried to warn you. I was like, the ending boss fight is the worst. <laughs> that took me forever. Yes. I never died. Not even once. Oh, wow. I died so many times. And then I finally got to a rhythm where like I didn't die until like the last hit. And it's like... Ah. <laughs> so it took me a solid two hours to beat the dragon. Because of yeah, the strategy I, yep. I used. I basically had that shield magic. Okay. And I would put that on. And then I would... Once I figured out that my sword hits were doing nothing because I'd never upgraded my sword play mechanics at all, I, I was in all magic upgraded. So that's all I had going into that fight. I was an all magic build. So I realized that the um, once I figured out that the the fire move Ig- Igni, mm-hmm. right? Igni, yeah, I think that's yeah, right, uh, was doing a ton of damage, and I found out that you only recharge your magic slots when you actually break the shield. So here's something I found out about the Witcher Two that kind of makes me mad. If you turn the shield on with magic, you mm-hmm. don't regenerate magic. Mm, okay. So I would only turn the shield on. I would turn the shield on. 
but only if I had already regen several magic slots. Because I had six by the end of the game. Okay. And six of them did like between an eighth and a quarter of damage to the dragon if I actually hit it on every shot. So okay. once I realized that the sword hits were doing nothing and I already whittled it down to 50% health after an hour and a half, I switched to Igni and like 20 minutes later it was dead. <laughs> I was like, this Dang. is garbage. <laughs> it was going to take me like four hours, like four in the morning. Mm-hmm. I'm like, <laughs> But uh, the fact that when you're shielding and you don't gain back your magic slots just pissed me off. Yep. How do you feel about the twist? The twist? I didn't do Yorvis path. No. Uh... Do you find out who the dragon is? No, but I know who it is. Like, just, oh, let's be, so you don't so, find it's out so who it is? It's so obvious. No, you don't find out it's Saskia. No. Interesting. Okay. Do you just kill the dragon then? You can still spare it, but there's absolutely nothing storyline wise that would convince you to do so. It's like because the because at the end of the game, uh, Roche basically says, "Well, yeah, you should kill it because the the dragon could be used by the witches again." Interesting. Okay. Because it's cursed or talk or whatever. I read a little bit just to make to understand. Because I was like, oh, is this going to affect The Witcher Three if I kill the dragon? Which it doesn't. There's absolutely no, no impact on the game other than but you know it's alive. Or if not. you did, you uh, let um, the, I don't remember the other Witcher's name. Did you let Sheila. him go? Sheila. S I L E. It's Sheila or Sheila or whatever. Did you let him go? Or Letho. Letho. That's it. Did you let? Yeah, Letho I, die I let or... Letho go once he explained okay. himself. Yep. Okay. I was like, at, at that point, once you finish the game, killing Letho does nothing for you. Yep. So I think we should just do an entire podcast on The Witcher. Okay. So we can you can pick my brain on The Witcher 1. Because I'll be honest, The Witcher 1 is worth playing only for all the references. Mm-hmm. Like, there are so many references. And that's another thing I think makes a great sequel. is Regardless of how good the original game is, all the callbacks make the first game worth it. Yep. And even though I sunk like way too many hours into The Witcher 1 just to complete it, The Witcher 2 is so much better because of it. Okay. And The Witcher 1 is the only one where you can actually have like a neutral Witcher path, which is the true Witcher path. I think The Witcher 3, you can kind of have a, a neutral path. You have to kill the bad guy, but... Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like You can actually go full neutral and only react to the environment, essentially, in The Witcher 1. Okay. So like you don't have to pick a side, which I found out is a is a bad strategy if you want the story to progress well in the second game, because like I chose the neutral path and then I like imported by memory all the things I did mm-hmm. into The Witcher Two during the um, interrogation scene, which is yeah. also really cool because a lot of sequels that have save impacts from the first game have no way of actually simulating that in the second game. So like Mass mm-hmm. Effect did it well, The Witcher did it well. Um, I'm sure there's other games like maybe Dragon Age. I don't know. The Bioware games, essentially. Oh, the uh, Walking Dead ones did a great job of doing that. Oh, good. Yeah. So the games that will import a save file to make the sequel better is, in my opinion, an amazing feature. Yeah, I won't tell you who it is, but there's a character in the first game. Well, you know, it depends on who you side with, but you think he dies, but then he comes back and it's like, I actually got emotional. (laughs) So that's so what cool. we need to do. We need to do um, a let's play of Walking Dead after we finish Sea of Thieves. Oh yeah, I so haven't. I haven't the last one yet because like I have to take breaks in between those games because I honestly get too attached to characters. And so but you'll just, just you'll just be reacting to me and all my bad choices. Like, oh yeah, no, I, I would I'm love for you. Like maybe I'll just do stuff just to mess with you. But you can't hear me, and I'm like, don't do it. You freaking idiot. <laughs> no, that's totally fine. You just can't react until after I do it. Okay. 
Fair. Like mute your mic while I'm doing it or something. Okay. Um, anyways. So The Witcher is a great example of a series where I think every time you get a sequel, it's way better. Yep. Like The Witcher 1 was a great game, especially at the time it came out, despite being on an aging engine, which was the Bioware uh, Mass Effect slash KOTOR engine. Witcher 2 like changed the game. It is a fantastic game start to finish. Some of the boss battles are like, dude, like the difficulty is way too high. Yeah, I only had a problem with that Kraken thing and the dragon. What's that? No, it wasn't. Is the Karen? Karen, yeah, the Karen. Um, <laughs> the Karen. Actually, once I figured out how to do the, it's. I read online after I finished all these fights that the Witcher is once you figure out the path to finishing a boss, it's like pretty much just follow the strategy. Yep. The dragon, on the other hand, was something I was not expecting. I refused to look up the dragon, but I had to look up. The I never Karen. looked it up. I had to figure it out. Yeah, no, I. That's what I did. I just wore it down, and it was awful. I think that's just the strategy. Like, yeah. <laughs> you just have to wear it down. Uh, but yeah, I, I basically drank a. Uh, the funny thing is, if you don't do alchemy, it's it's the, one of the hardest fights in the game. If you are, oh yeah, well, I only build, built up my sword fight, so it sucked. If you do a full alchemy build, apparently the dragon's like three hits and dead. Oh my gosh! Well, I do. I know what I'm doing next time. Like literally, like, the there's Witcher only team. like one sequence where it lands or something that I could chop at it, and then I had this run the entire time and I like, dodge. It was all oh, so terrible. Yeah, I mean that's what I did. Except I had the shield on, so it couldn't do any damage to me until nope. I, until I, I, nope. I would get hit all the time, and it was but awful. The, the funny thing is, is when you're playing a full magic build on the dragon, you're basically running around the field, regaining your your vitality, your health. And then once your health's all the way up, you purposefully get hit so you can recharge your magic slots. Hmm. And then okay. you put the shield back up once you've dodged for long enough. And just hope your health didn't get degraded too far. And yep. then igni, 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 igni. Boom, 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 <laughs> boom, boom. And then you've damaged it like insane amount. And then you put your shield back on, let your health recharge. <clears throat> if you got hurt. If you didn't, then hmm. you just wait for your magic to recharge again. Put the shield back up. Igni, 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 igni. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> Just repeat, wash and repeat. Any, it was any, so any. fast. Once I once I figured that out, it was so fast to finish that fight. Hmm. But before that, I was whittling it away like one HP at a time with my sword, <laughs> like forever. <laughs> How much did it, did it actually visibly move when you would hit it with your sword? Nope. <laughs> no, I. What's crazy is like I I sort of did the same thing in the third game. I did better with the igneous. So I built up like igneous traps or something. Which by the way, make sure you do that. Um, but. Uh, I also just built the sword up, and I ended up becoming so strong by the end of that game. It's way different. Like you end up becoming much stronger. And it's you, almost like you, you can, can get like pretty fable. OP in The Witcher Three, if I remember. Oh yeah, correctly. for sure. Well, there's there's side quests, um, and a lot of them. So, yep. Yeah. So the Witcher series, in my opinion, is one of the few series that like almost entirely changes the foundation of the game every game, mm -hmm. and gets way better because of it. Yep. Most series can't adapt that way. Nope. If you change, like, for example, Halo Infinite is a great game, but it's hampered by all the things they didn't include when they mm -hmm. released it. And so a bad game is almost always a bad game. Like, despite the fact that it's a good core game, it's a bad game because it released bad. Yeah, well, I think what's a weird thing about Halo Infinite is that once they actually, like, in 10 years from now, <laughs> when they have all the features in there, it's going to be a phenomenal game. And a lot of games, when they release bad, will just stay that way because it just it's a bad foundation. They just yeah. suck. 
Um, yeah, the fact that it has a good foundation gives me hope that in the future it will be a good game. It's almost more frustrating though, because you're just like, why didn't they just release it complete, or at least like kind of complete? <laughs> Halo Infinite should have been released five years later than it was completed after they already cashed in on Halo 3 Anniversary. Yes. Halo 3 Anniversary would have been a cash cow for them for years. Yeah, they could have just given the same team that's doing MCC right now. That team is kicking some serious ass. The hardest hardest thing with Halo 3 Anniversary, though, in my opinion... Is that because of MCC, it kind of makes it hard a hard sell to get a Halo 3 anniversary out there. I don't think so, because you just slot it right into the MCC, and it literally could just That's be... That's the problem. Well, they, they don't have to do anything with it now because of the way that they're updating the multiplayer and stuff. All they have to do is have updated visuals in the campaign and uh blur cutscenes. Boom. Done. Well, that's, that's the problem, though, because it's so little... It's almost too little too late because the MCC is so good. I'd still pay thirty dollars for that. Halo Three Anniversary with cut, just because of the cutscenes. Cutscenes. Yep, I would totally pay. Money you don't want for the that. floppy flower? <laughs> no. Okay. So the the update to Halo Two. Oh my gosh, it, it looks better than Halo Infinite. It is so phenomenal. Also, that floppy flower was so confusing to me as a kid. I was like, "What the hell is this?" And now it's like it has teeth and skulls and stuff hanging out its mouth. It's like, well, it's gross. Do you think that? a remake or a remaster can make a game worse and in what way Uh, a lot of times it makes it worse um so a good example is uh call of duty 4 no yeah call of duty 4 modern warfare uh the remake had microtransactions and it was also attached for the longest time to halo not halo but um call of duty infinite or infinity or whatever the hell it was called I'm blanking on this right now, but there's been a quite a few recently. Oh yeah, there you go. Warcraft three. That's that's a great example. I heard that's horrible. <laughs> yep, it is. I haven't played HD this one. So I don't know. I don't even know what this is. Oh, so it's a similar story to the the remake of this one. Is similar to how Rockstar had um, Grand Theft Auto remade, how it just plain sucked and it was like a port of a mobile game. Oh, yeah, that's right, yeah. So this is what happened with this one? Yep, pretty, pretty similar. Modern Warfare Remastered. It's also so I've, heard, dark. I've heard bad things about this one. So it's but... fine. It's just the fact that it's microtransaction heavy, and they just, it just basically ruined the game. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so I think a sequel that changes even just the multiplayer and the way that it delivers the content in multiplayer mm-hmm. can ruin the game. Yep. So if you go from a, a completely DLC-based system to a completely microtransaction-based system, like that kills it for a lot of people. Yep. For Especially me, if it's a re- like it's a remaster. So yep, not just a sequel. <laughs> I forgot about this. <laughs> this is the Wii version of Dead Rising. Yep. Now there is a worse version than this, even that nobody ever remembers exists. But I actually downloaded it and played it. Oh, it's why? the iOS version of Dead Rising. It sounds so, bad. Well, think about it. At the time it came out, it was the iPhone 4. Mm, yeah, I'm sure it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> it's the worst thing I've ever played, Dead Rising-wise, anyway. Um, just awful, awful game. Mm-hmm. But Chop to Your Drop is like 
the fact that it was on the Wii means the heart. That's a good point. So the hardware matters oh, when yes. you're trying to make a bigger, better game. Not Dead Rising when they ported it to the Wii on lesser hardware than the 360 had. Well, it's it's suffered to put zombies on the actual games. Like in Dead Rising Xbox 360 edition, you're walking down and it's just a crowd of zombies. Mm-hmm. You're not going to see a lot of open spaces in the mall when you first go in. When you load up the Wii version and you're walking down the stairs, it's like five zombies. And you're like, oh, I could do this. Mm-hmm. I need to do a Let's Play of this online. I think Good. people would enjoy that. I don't care about Dungeon Keeper. No. Goldeneye 007 Reloaded. Oh so yeah, it's nope. like a real remake. It's like a, it's like a completely different game. Yep. Odd World. What is this? Is this oh, good? People say this is bad. Uh, I really like this. Did you? Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's sort of just like a reimagining of the original game. Oh okay. You think it's good though? Yeah, I liked it. Interesting. But yeah, Dead Rising top truly drop. I can't argue that. <laughs> well, here's so here's a sequel that was really good. It was Spider-Man 2 for the Xbox, yeah. GameCube, and PS2. Um, Spider-Man 3, though, just kind of sucked. Um, and then you have Spider-Man Shattered Dimensions, which was phenomenal and actually started the entire concept of having the Spider-Verse. But then Spider-Man... Um, oh, what the heck is the sequel to that one? Shattered Dimensions... I don't know. You're you're you got more than I do. Oh no! Oh, I'm blanking so hard on this right now. Whatever the sequel oh, yeah, is. Oh, Edge time. of Time. That's that's the sequel. Edge of Time was terrible because you literally are fighting inside the entire time, and there's only two Spider-Man versus the four Spider-Man in the other game. Tie the Tasmanian Tiger. <laughs> Grabbed by the Ghoulies. I don't even know what this is. Like a 3D Castlevania. No idea. No idea. No idea. Okay. Moving on. <laughs> I think there's a reason why we don't know. They're clearly terrible. All right, let's summarize it. Let's, sum, let's summarize our series. thoughts here. Let's, let's, let's summarize our thoughts here. Let's summarize. So a good sequel can change the game, but fo- at least at some in some ways looks at what the fans like and doesn't try too hard on those, but changes the, all the things that the fans found frustrating or confusing mm-hmm. in a general way like for example uh going from the witcher one to the witcher two dumped the gameplay loop that involved clicking on things and letting the animation take place like going from kotor to mass effect most people unlike me don't necessarily like that gameplay loop i like it for kotor i don't necessarily like it for the witcher but i really yeah. like what they do with the witcher 2 Mm-hmm. So that gameplay loop change made a huge difference. The storytelling didn't change. Storytelling Here's how you make made. a you don't make a bad sequel. If you're if the developers say well, we want to make it more appealing to a larger audience, it's gonna don't suck. do that. Don't do that. The only way that can work is if you go from like a really niche game like The Witcher One, and actually make it try to make it more appealing. But if you're going from a already popular, very very popular game, and like oh well, we want it more appealing, it's just gonna be watered down and terrible. I've never heard a developer say that in like their interviews and stuff, and the game ended up being a good game. Usually when you go for mass appeal with a sequel to an already established franchise, the changes they make are only for the casual non-fan to get entrenched mm-hmm. into the new game. And that's the wrong... Like, I think CD Projekt Red, for all of their flaws, especially with Cyberpunk, they seem to get it when it comes to sequels and how to be broad appeal without ruining the game. 
because the witcher 3 by all accounts is not an easy not a mass appeal game that became a hugely mass appealing game across all platforms it released on like the yep. witcher 3 is one of the best examples of how you innovate without and, and getting broad acceptance without ruining the game yeah well they doubled down on what made the witcher unique to it to that series um, while also incorporating interesting mechanics that would would make it more appealing, like the open world structure. You didn't necessarily have to do that, um, but it made it more appealing. And also, it makes so much sense in the structure of the uh, world that they already made. Yeah, so. and, and to be fair, The Witcher is already open in a sense. It's not like open world in the way that Witcher 3 is, but the exploration, they mm -hmm. give you a large place to explore and they other lock you out of some parts of it at different times, but you already kind of have the freedom in the Witcher 2 to go wherever you want within the bounds of the level, within the bounds of the chapter, I should say. So like the exploration was always there. They just made it a core part of the game, mm -hmm. which does make the Witcher 3 different. And now that I've played the first two games, like I'm so looking forward to The Witcher 3. The payoff is going to be so good. <laughs> yes. Oh, it, um, it is. The thing is, The Witcher 3 is so much better than Witcher 2. So if you really like that one, like it, this one will blow you away. I, and, and by the time I got to the middle of the second, so it's funny. I, this is how I play games. I start a game, I play it like vigorously for a little while, and then I set it down. And then mm -hmm. at some point I start playing it again and then I set it down and I start playing it again and then I set it down. And in the meantime, I'm playing other games. Yep. And then as soon as I cross like the halfway point of a game, then it's like, that's the only game I play until I finish it. Like the Witcher two, as soon as I got Agreed. past like the, the halfway point, <laughs> yeah, that was all I played to the end. It's, it's funny. Like once I see the, like the end is in sight, I'm willing to play it more. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's just, the, this is me. Like that's exactly how I played, uh, the 3d zelda games though <laughs> it's like yeah. other than breath of the wild because actually i didn't have anything to do it was like prime time to finish that game was during lockdown um but like twilight princess i would make play it really like a lot for a couple hours and then i wouldn't pick it up for a week and then i'd play it for a couple hours at a time wouldn't pick it up for a week that, that's the issue i have with every game like a lot of games i will even there's a couple games that i got towards the end and i got to a point where i'm like hey i don't know if i can finish this and then I set it down for like years and then picked it back up like the wind waker. So the wind waker is probably the best example of a game. I set down a game that I actually loved and set mm -hmm. it down for a long time before I finished it. I got to the triforks quest <laughs> on the original oh, version. Yeah. Cause it's no, that was nothing for me on the Wii U <laughs> On the Wii U is actually streamlined. But yeah. on the original one, I got to that quest and I was like, Oh God, this is awful. This is like the worst thing I've ever played in Zelda. And that's like the one thing that Nintendo just like added a time suck to the game and the payoff is worth it, but you don't know that when you're sitting there going through it. Hmm. And I set down the wind waker for a decade, a straight up decade. Wow. And my okay. save on my memory card was still there and I picked it up and finished it. I mean, not going to lie. There's definitely games in my backlog that once I get to them, will probably be a decade since I bought them. <laughs> But I actually yeah. was like most of the way through it and set it down for a decade. Okay. How long it was. The Wind Waker HD is one of the best examples where they didn't remove any of the stuff people liked in the remake, mm -hmm. but fixed all of my personal frustrations with the original game. Like the yep. Swift Sail makes it a really a easy sell for me to play. I never it. picked that up. 
yeah, you messed up. Like that's the part of the frustration. And then with Twilight Princess HD, they made the ladder climbing way faster. Oh, good. I, I, yeah, I have no complaints about those games. In the original Twilight Princess HD, like anytime you get to a ladder, you're like, because you're going to be there like a minute, two minutes. <laughs> okay. Uh, so there are some things, in my opinion, like mechanics that when you change them, it makes the game, it can be very divisive. Mm-hmm. So, for example, uh, Halo. Some of the things that they have changed, first-person shooter versus the over-the-shoulder. That was very controversial. Sprint, very controversial. It was never over-the-shoulder. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Oh, my brain went to the uh, the t- shoot <laughs> turrets, holding a turret. That's where my brain went to, and I was like, "Wait a second, that's not that's not right." I, I just went with it anyways, even though I knew it was wrong. Uh, yeah, what was the when you hold the turret, you're you're in third person. Yeah, I mean that's not controversial. I think that makes a lot of sense because like you look so badass when you walk with it. So yeah, you totally do. Yeah. Uh, no, no. What I meant was looking down the down the site, aimed down the site. Oh that yeah, wasn't okay. a thing in the original. Yeah, it was yeah. Just, yeah, that's what I really meant. It only I... exists in one <laughs> one game. Well, it's going from halo having its own unique formula and like this amazing soup that they're adding cool ingredients to it stay of the weed man what is that off the weed stay oh stay okay (laughs) okay um and then you went from that to just trying to make a call of duty clone in halo 4. mechanically it just kind of sucked halo 4 didn't did that have the end down site in Halo 4? I don't remember. No, that. but it had a bunch of Call of Duty developers, and they tr- really did. Like, okay. the multiplayer was based around um, Call of Duty. They had, Halo like, should have went to Gearbox. No, I'm just kidding. No, I don't know. I, like, what it could have should have. I'm sure that game that game would have been so different and so weird. Halo 4, at least, was, like, sort of similar. And they finally got, like, to Halo Infinite, and it's, it's very similar. Just they didn't launch a complete game. So Yeah, that's... It's the least complete game with the best gameplay loop. Yeah. How about for controversy? That's a good point. This is a series that, um, like Zelda is a series that can get away with changing the mechanics like every freaking game. So they they play totally differently from from each other. A lot of times they have different tools, or even if it's a similar tool, it plays differently. Um, How do you think they can get away with that? Don't say Nintendo. I mean, that's part of it. That is definitely yeah. part of it. I think it's just because for each console, they have a new controller. They have a new system. Like, up until the Switch, the Nintendo lineup of consoles has been so different mechanically and physically that you almost expect the games that you get on those systems, despite having the same franchise name and tags, to be entirely different just because the console and the controller are entirely different. Like when you go from the N64, which is a cartridge based thing with a, the weirdest controller I've ever used in my life mm-hmm. to the GameCube, which has like was like the first system to launch with dual analogs in the in not not dual analogs first one because DualShock 1 had it and PlayStation 2 had it, but, but dual analogs in the offset position. Okay. I do believe the GameCube is the first console to launch that way because the Xbox hadn't come yet and the Dreamcast only had one analog stick, which is what the xbox was based off of was the dreamcast controller um 
you just expect it to play differently. Like the C sticks, the C stick versus the C buttons, controlling the camera, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Like I just expect them to play differently, despite them being all on Nintendo consoles and all in the same series. Mm-hmm. And every game prior to that, even 2D was different, right? Zelda One to Zelda Two, good example. And then they nailed the formula with Link with uh, Legend of Zelda: Link to the Past. But I don't know. Yeah, each hero is different physically too. So I and yeah, no, all it's totally different. Even I though you're technically playing as Link every time. Because you have, I'm sorry, you know what I meant though. The hero of time, hero. No, yeah, of, I get it. Um, child hero. The no, you are right. Like the hero is it is like a different character, even though it has the same name. So like the fact that they have different heroes, different, even like the art style, like you just go into the game oh, yeah. and you're Everything's like, this different. is different. It's not, it's never jarring because that's what you expect. But I think if we were going at it in release year order, if you were an original Zelda fan and you saw Zelda 2, you might even just say, nope, when Super Nintendo came out with A Link to the Past. Mm-hmm. But after all the reviews of A Link to the Past and how good it, that's why. Each game is just good. Yeah, but the thing is, we I think even in this list, we've talked about games that were good, but because they were a sequel, people hated them because they changed up the formula. Zelda, that's another point. Zelda has never actually explicitly called something a sequel, except I think twice. Zelda 2, and so, everyone hated it. I'm sorry. There's been three technically sequels. It's usually when they release a second game on the same console. Now, Twilight Princess and Wind Waker are a prime example where that didn't happen. But mm-hmm. Zelda 1, Zelda 2 on the NES, those are technically a sequel. And then Link to the, or Link to the Past. Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask, those are technically direct sequels to each other. Um, and now Breath of the Wild 1 and 2. That's a direct sequel. There are very few Zelda games that are actually contiguous, continuous, whatever the right word mm-hmm. is there, where it's an actual sequel to the storyline of the game prior. Most of the time, it's a disconnected series of games. And yep. we know that, we expect that, and some series are just that way. Like yeah, Persona. Just, Persona has a, a series that is disconnected. Fire Emblem is... A, I mean, there's technically some small things that are like callbacks to each other, and they are in the same timeline, per mm-hmm. se. What's the but, Mario timeline? Explain it to me. <laughs> yeah, there's... I don't know. I don't have an answer for that one. Uh, and Mario is a good example of that. Like, Nintendo has just consistently made good games that are entirely different from each other, but in the same franchise, same series. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the best games that developed mechanically with the same mechanics getting better each game was Metroid in general. The 2D Metroid series is a prime example, just like The Witcher is a prime 3D example, of a series that mechanically gets better with each game, more refined and even though a lot of people love Super Metroid, I think Metroid Zero Mission and Metroid Dread are mechanically some of the best games I've ever played. Yeah, I can see that. You can argue about the storyline and how things open up and unlock, mm-hmm. but, but when it comes to sequels, like Metroid, non the non-Prime version, and Prime's good in its own way, but I really like 2D Metroid. I think it's one mm-hmm. of the best franchises, especially in the evolution of the series ever. But I think Zelda gets away with it because it's a good game. It's self-contained, start to finish. All of them are their own complete stories. You know that going into the franchise because that's the mm-hmm. way they've always done it. So they have the track record. But I do think if you went Zelda 1 to Zelda 2, and if A Link to the Past hadn't been phenomenal, that series could have died right there. Oh, yeah, for sure. 
Is there any other games that you can think of where the sequel is bad, but then they recovered after the third, like the third game? Hmm. Sequel's bad, but they recovered. I mean, technically, there was quite a few Tomb Raider games that sucked, and they rebooted it. <laughs> That's a controversial opinion, there, Mister. Well, no, there were quite a few that sucked in between. I'm sorry, like there, the couple at the end of the like the original games, they're terrible. Um, game that I, I know there are games like that. I don't know why I'm blanking on this. Mass Effect Two. Uh, Mass Effect Two is not bad, man. How on earth? Okay, SA, you gotta you gotta really clarify this point because Mass Effect <laughs> Two is amazing. Now, here's the thing: Mass Effect One to Two. There is one complaint that a lot of people have, and I can see it after replaying one out of the four or five times I've done it now. Um, there's like an entire removal of the RPG elements. Like one. Your actual aim down the side, you could be aiming directly on the enemy, but if your uh, focus or whatever the RPG element is, I can't remember what it is. If your element of shooting is bad, your bullet, uh, your firing is, is yeah, like not that's tight. a mechanic that can just die and never come back. And I as, the, as you roll increase dice your RPG, like your your bullet gets closer and closer to like hitting the mark every time. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I know Arash and I talked about that a long time ago on this podcast about how mass effect one is although it is a masterpiece of the game there are some elements that were meant to die Mm -hmm. (laughs) having an rpg mechanic that determines how random your bullet fire is is dumb (laughs) if you're good at shooting maybe they could make the crosshair smaller or your your slowdown time better but Mm -hmm. purposefully missing because of a randomly generated number is a bad choice yep i thought that bioshock 2 was kind of bad i know a lot of people do like it because again the power fantasy aspect but as far as like the story structure the mystery of the game and it was kind of repetitive because it's the same city right after you destroyed it so it's like nothing's really changed in that one but then the third game was phenomenal so i think that was that's one um i was gonna say batman but actually arkham city is definitely better than arkham uh knight you think so Oh yeah, the the uh, implementation of the Batmobile was really cool for about an hour, and then the thing is they use it for everything. Like all of the Riddler uh, side missions, you have to use a Batmobile, which really sucks. And you're just a lot less actually solving puzzles and doing detective work, and more can you time your jump with the Batmobile correctly? And it's just super stupid. Crash Bandicoot. The first game is phenomenal. Okay. In the trilogy. The second game is forgettable. And the third game, Warped, is the game that I always go back to. Oh, Crash Bandicoot. I was thinking uh Bandung Kazooie is like what? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Crash know. Bandicoot, the trilogy. Like everybody yeah, talks yeah, no, about how great no. the trilogy is. Yes. But yes, in yes. reality, in my mind, only one and three are like worth playing. I never play two. Do you? Nope. I always go back to one and three. Mm-hmm. Like for me, if I had only played one and then two. And never gotten to play three, that franchise would be dead for me. I would never mm-hmm. go back to it because of how much I like. I just dislike a lot of the what they did in two. I know the development cycle was horrible for that, and the crunch, the crunch was real. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Captain Crunch on the team. Uh, but Crash Bandicoot three, Crash Bandicoot warped 
is one of my favorite 3D platformers ever made. It is just almost perfect. Yeah. As no, Other than with Crash Bandicoot, it's really hard to see where you're going to land. That's my one critique. Regardless. It, and yes, that is a good critique for Crash Bandicoot. It's one of those things where a lot of time... Oh yeah, Rayman. Rayman 2 and then Rayman 3. It's a weird... So Rayman 1 was a 2D platformer and Rayman 2 goes 3D and it's on like three different consoles and three different variations. Mm -hmm. And honestly, that's another point. Um, we kind of covered that with the Dead Rising top shop till you drop and not being as good as the original is when you release and the platforms are so varying, it's easy to accidentally make a bad game for a specific port and that will kill the yeah. audience. Look up uh, Spider-Man Web of Shadows for PS2. So obviously it's 3D and it's uh, a really well-liked Spider-Man game, but the there's a version for this uh, PS2 and it's that totally bad. different. <laughs> it's so bad, but it's a completely different game. Amazing Allies Edition, is this it? Yep, there it is. <laughs> what? Yeah, this, right. is the same, this must be the same game? Yeah. Okay. All right. If you say so. Um, <laughs> Imagine like you're a kid and you're like, you've seen the trailers for this game and you're like so excited. And this is what your mom brings you. <laughs> so disappointing. <laughs> now there have been times when a sequel was good in its own right, but it was too much of a good thing. Like for example, when an open world is too big, Mm -hmm. And although you love the gameplay, you love what they did, you're just like, wow, this is too much. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm oversaturated in this mm -hmm. game because of how big the sequel is. A good example of that is um, Skyrim okay. for me. Skyrim. Oh, Skyrim. Okay. Because I liked Oblivion. And I liked, um, what is it? Morrowind. Morrowind mm -hmm. and Oblivion are both good games. I would get lost in Morrowind constantly, so I ended up really hating that game. But that was because I'm an idiot. Right. So another good example where the third game redeemed the second game was, you know, the Fable series. No, I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> Halo. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, but no, I think one of the best examples where the third game redeemed the series was the Crash Bandicoot series. Like, honestly, if they hadn't made the third Crash Bandicoot game. I don't know if we'd still be talking about that series. Because mm -hmm. like, yes, number two is good, but it's forgettable. It's so forgettable. I don't know anybody that ever talks about Crash Bandicoot 2. It's always one or three. Mm -hmm. um, Half-Life 3 could redeem. <laughs> Can you think of any other series, though, where like the sequel is bad or, or even forgettable, and then the third game or fourth game or fifth, whatever, a game later on redeemed it? I know there's a lot of examples. Well, I mean, Resident Evil is a good example. I know they got some kind of franchise fatigue like at five. Um, and then they went back to their horror roots in six, and people really enjoyed that. No, no, I'm screwing this up. It's seven, right? That's the one that is... Uh... Eight's the village one. Yeah, so it's, it's seven. It's Resident Evil okay. 7, I'm thinking of. So like, I think six is uh, kind of universally hated, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Now... Mass Effect Andromeda could be a good situation where you had a good franchise. Andromeda kind of killed the whole franchise, and now we have a reboot coming. Yeah, it'll be interesting cool. to see what happens with the new Mass Effect. I know you're not like really big into these games, but I'm curious to see what happens. I am not holding my breath. I just feel like 
Bioware has seen better days and they, they need to either get bought out or sell their properties or something. Yeah, there's not very many games where I'm willing to suffer through a bad sequel to continue on later. Uh, and yeah. that, that's definitely Crash Bandicoot. Like, I think I've played through the second one once, but I've played through Warp like a hundred times. And I played through yeah. the first one like like half that amount. And then, you know, so that's just. Yeah, SA, we brought up Dragon Age 2 before, but SA brought up a good one that Dragon Age 2 was like pretty universally hated when it was released. And it's definitely a dark point in that series. Whereas Dragon Age Inquisition, although it, there are a lot of critiques now, when it first came out, people really, really loved it. Isn't Inquisition like an entirely different game, though? Or no, Origins. I'm thinking of Origins. Origins is a completely That's the first game. one. Yeah, but Origins is like far and away different from the rest of them, right? I honestly don't know. So I've only played through Origins, and I'm slowly making my way through the series. Um, Origins is great, though. So I don't know I how it compares to the other ones. Yeah, I like the idea of Commander Shepard coming back, but I'm not sure how canonically that makes any sense. Oh, I, guess, I think it's a reboot. I mean, I could be totally wrong about this. No, but... it's supposed to be like... like So the, the character in the commercials has been basically confirmed as Liara. Liara okay. is the Asari from the original trilogy who was not in Andromeda in any way, shape, or form. And basically... Because she's an Asari, she can live forever. Like they basically live forever. They're almost like a um, uh, undying race. They live okay. thousands of years, and the game shows her like aged. So you know this is like thousands of years later. Mm, okay. And um, or at least hundreds of years. I don't remember how long they live. They live a long time though. Like compared to humans, is like at least ten times the amount of years. Anyways, long story short, you know it's in the future because she's aged. Um, she's become a matriarch. And she's picking up something from Commander Shepard. So they've already had the Lazarus thing happen. So Mass Effect 2, to spoilers for anybody who's played it, basically the ship crashes down and like he's disfigured. Beyond it is a jarring that. intro to that game, yes. And basically they resurrect him in the Lazarus Project, like literally Lazarus Project. And they could do it again because if his DNA exists, they could easily bring him back. But the question is, like, is he the same Commander Shepard? Mm, I don't know. <laughs> Just because you got the DNA. Might be the evil twin. Who knows? Anyways, long story short, I would not be surprised if Commander Shepard or Commander Shepard clone comes back. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully this. I don't know. I'm just... Hey, they got Liara. They, at least they're starting off on the right foot because Liara was one of my favorite characters in the game. And then... She barely exists in Mass Effect 2 unless you buy the DLC. And then you find Dragon out what she's been up yeah. to. I hope the and new like, Dragon oh. Age is good, but we'll see. Oh, sorry. I oh, but I do want to see this. All right, I'll look, look it up. up. Look it up. No. Shepherd lives. We might need more description. Yeah, I need more information. SA, please. Oh, maybe this is it? Um, here, here's what I can tell you. There was a theory going around when Mass Effect 3 came out. It's called the indoctrination theory. Okay. It was a very well thought out fan theory that made a lot of sense given the ending. But the, whole, the short version of it is uh, in the first game, you encounter this character can't remember what his name is it's, it starts with an s he's the bad guy um it's been so long since i play mass effect but essentially in his race um 
normally they look pretty normal. They're almost like uh, shoot. Now I gotta look them up. Mass Effect One. Sovereign, yeah, but that's not. I don't think Sovereign is the actual, uh, not Geth. Um, gosh, brain is not working. <sighs> Reapers, part of the Reapers, and he indoctrinates Saren. That's right, Saren. So, and okay. Saren is part of. Shoot, brain. He's part of the uh, Sentinels, right? Sentinels. Mm -hmm. No specters. He's part of the specters. It's been so freaking long. I, I look like I look like a non-fan. Uh, <laughs> you are no. a non-fan. I mean, you just added yourself. Saren but... is the central antagonist of the original Mass Effect. He gets indoctrinated by the Reapers, like this futuristic tech that essentially reset the galaxy every so many years. Mm -hmm. um, basically, all the, the civilization get to a certain level of industrialization and, and technology, and then they just wipe them out and start over from scratch. Kind of like how the um, the uh, uh not the prometheans what about the, what's the race in halo um the flood well the flood does it but but the precursors precursors they're kind of like the precursors of the halo universe okay they're very similar uh but the reapers basically wipe everything out and started from scratch like how the precursors use the flood or rather the flood use the pre whichever way it works mm -hmm. it's kind of like that reset to the galaxy um, which the halo rings would activate and prevent the flood from taking everything. Over. Anyways, long story short, life starts over and the reapers monitor from a distance. Mm -hmm. Well, in a lot of cutscenes and a lot of like storyline, they decided that because of some of the interactions that um, Commander Shepard had with the reapers, he must be in the process, albeit much slower than Saren, of indoctrination. Hmm. The character that he works for, the elusive man in Mass Effect Two, is clearly indoctrinated by the Reapers because he's got like a let's say like the flashy mechanical blue eyes, just yep. like Saren had in the first game. Um, and so they think that they basically came up with the indoctrination theory that that's why none of the endings are different because no matter what you do, the same outcome happens. Mm -hmm. And that's why they said it had to be the indoctrination thing. And so they begged EA to actually make it canon. That's why it ends that way. And it would have made the ending make sense. Mm -hmm. And then EA's writers got cocky and said, nope, that's not what happened. And they made something up that made no sense. Of course. Yeah. So if you ever get curious, just look up the indoctrination theory Mass Effect. It's, it's a really good deep dive. It says Mass Effect 3, Shepard lives, ending the thumbnail has Garrus, Tally, and Joker. Okay, I'll go back. Nope, that's not it. Did I miss it already? Shepard lives in it. Mass Effect 3. Shepard lives. Joker. Oh, so this is over here. Yeah, so like I, I think I knew about this already. I think I knew about this already, but it shows his fingers moving, I think, right at the end or whatever. Like he didn't die. I think it shows a hand. Something moves. Yep, he inhales. 
Yeah, that's what it was. Okay, yeah. So yeah. Yeah, I knew about this. People have told me like the destroy ending makes the most sense. You want to shut down all the technology, the geth. You don't care about the geth at the end. They're, they might mm -hmm. be sentient robots, but at the end of the day, they're not living creatures, you know. But mm -hmm. that's the idea. It's like if the Reapers are built to destroy and they're sentient robots, sentient AI controlled robots, like how do you end it? Well, kill basically genocide of sentient robotic life. Mm -hmm. He is alive, alive. Anyways, <laughs> long story short, Mass Effect is not a series that has a bad sequel, but a really bad ending. So I think we've killed this subject, Will, and we're way we dead. Yep. to be. Mm -hmm. And I might be able to clip some of this, but it was just a very off the rails conversation. <laughs> yeah. Maybe by next week, we'll be able to talk about Halo Co-op, or we can move on and talk about just The Witcher, just a straight up. Yeah, we can do a Witcher one. That'd I would love to just talk about The Witcher, but I need to get through The Witcher 3 more. And maybe I can convince Timmy to come on. Okay. He loves The Witcher. Sounds good. And I know he loves Gwent. <laughs> but that might be another thing, like games within a game, like Bazak, Gwent, etc. Mm -hmm. Okay. Long story short, sequels good, bad, and everything. <laughs> In between. It's very short. <laughs> Anything else to say, Will? Nope, I'm good. Play Halo 2! That's what Will wants to say. Mm -hmm. If you haven't played Halo 2, one of the greatest sequels of all time, then play Halo 3 and you'll be good. All right. All is well in love and war and Will hates what I Oh, my gosh. All right. <laughs> Y'all have a good night. Yep. See you I later, Chris. guys. I'm Will. Oh, there we go. Topic, games that made us cry. Uh, Walking Dead, Telltale. That's the only one. No, no, no. I think he wants us to actually do a full-blown video on well, it. Well, that's, that's how I have to contribute. Those Those games get to me. <laughs> Some of the things in the Persona games left me okay. teary-eyed. Not not crying, teary-eyed. They're, so they're like a happy, bittersweet, sad. Man tears. No, <laughs> no, just bittersweet. Okay. There's a lot of bittersweet games. Um, Sergeant Johnson dying has a has a profound effect on me. I didn't like that. Yeah, that was sad, but I didn't hear up for that. But at the time it happened, I didn't realize he was like gone, gone, because it was Halo. You know, he died. Mm -hmm. Technically, he was supposed to have died in Mass Effect, you know. Uh, Combat Evolved, or not Mass Effect, my goodness, Halo Combat Evolved, mm -hmm. when he's stuck on the Halo ring, he shouldn't die. Yep. Hold me. <laughs> Hug me, brother. Alright. <laughs> As always, I'm Chris. And I'm Will. And we will see you on the next Curlcast. Bye, guys. <laughs>